Welcome to Business Breakthroughs, where seasoned business coaches share their most challenging client scenarios. Come dive deep into transformative advice, strategies employed, and the remarkable outcomes achieved. Tune in for riveting stories that not only inspire, but also provide actionable insights for business growth and resilience. Here is your host, Neil DiPentino. Hey, welcome to Business Breakthroughs. I'm Neil DiPentino. I'm your host today. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about when I started my business. I got into uh, the marketing business really because I really enjoyed, uh, you know, what I had been doing and you know, working for other people and thought I had a lot of value that I can bring to the marketplace and to clients. I have a lot of the same clients that I, uh, today that I had 15 years ago. Uh, but the one thing I didn't realize is that, you know, starting a business is a little bit more than just, you know, coming up with a great idea and executing on that idea. It <laughs> involves a whole lot more. And financial uh, uh, advice is something that I probably could have used a lot of back then and didn't go searching for it. So today on our uh, show, we have with us uh, Mr. Matt Green from Ledger Medial, and you are the small business quarterback, if I'm not mistaken. And we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, the need to have a coach uh, who, a financial coach to help a business to, um, you know, do the right thing financially to, to grow their business. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great, great to be here. Well, fantastic. So, uh, tell me a little bit about your business and a little bit about what you do. Um, Ledger Media Accounting Services uh, started three years ago. It's uh, basically an accounting firm like any other accounting firm, somewhat. But I take it from a stance of kind of really having empathy for the taxpayer and and. Um, I call myself the small business quarterback. It's, it's uh, self-proclaimed. It's no different than, uh, I guess, the first Rocky when they asked him how he came up with the Italian stallion. He said that he came up with it while he was eating dinner. And uh, we kind of take it that way. I went back to school later in life. I was actually 35 years old. So I think a weird advantage is that I have the ability to kind of dumb myself down to people that don't know anything. I mean, you want to start a business, you go, you see, uh, you Google it. I mean, there's a billion things that come back. So, so what we do is kind of help simplify everything, whether they're, they've grown to five or 10 million, we can jump in and get a grasp on their books, give them financial information, or they've just got an idea and want to know what they need to do in terms of entity structure. We kind of, we kind of help everyone and we do work with people that just simply need to file their taxes. Well, you know, it's like you, you dumb it down for people because I, people like me, I need to have it dumbed down probably even more than some of the clients that you're already working with. Um, you know, we don't speak that language. We don't do it every single day. You know, we know what we know. And then, you know, we need help maybe in other areas. And I think this is a you know great uh, way to, that you could potentially help customers. Now, are you working in uh, with a specific industry, uh, specific size businesses? We, we don't per se. I mean, right now I'd say we have clients that range. We do have one client that did about 17 million last year, but generally, you know, somewhere in the hundred thousand to $2 million a year range or where most of our clients uh, fall into. But we, we do just, we file taxes just for normal individuals with a W2. We're virtual. Uh, we, we're out of Greenville, South Carolina. So we, I try to convince everyone here that they need a local accountant and everyone else in the country, they don't. We have clients all over the country. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. So how does that work out for you? I mean, I, I think, you know, having a virtual accountant uh, is kind of a new thing. I mean, maybe the last, you know, several years. Um, I've worked with the same accountant now for, you know, pretty much since I started my business and everything. And, and we're looking at maybe doing some things differently. But I mean, what uh, is it really difficult to find new clients with, you know, when, when they're virtual like that, when you're virtual like that? I don't think so. Um, it's all about networking. You know, there's networking on a grand scale, uh, finding clients. No, there's all kinds of leads you can buy, but it seems to just happen. I, when I was, when I first started, I started during the pandemic the end of 2020 and I joined a networking group, which is a, it's a worldwide networking group. You have it's an organization, but I have my own group, but everything was virtual. So I would just zoom into meetings and then follow up, ask if they want to have a one-to-one. -one. So I've worked things out where, Currently, there's a program in Los Angeles that funds, uh, this is an example, funds startups. And I'm the person doing the taxes for all those companies. I mean, I'm on the other side of the country. Wow. I don't find it hard, but I consider myself to be a pretty networking and advertising marketing minded person more than an accountant, I guess. Right. So did you, when you started your business, when you started your practice, did you get help from somebody else to, you know, get everything kind of set up virtually and to, to be able to find networking opportunities and to take advantage of those things? Yes. My son actually owns a digital marketing company. So that was my only client in the beginning. And now his fiance, soon to be wife has a graphic design company and her sister has a social media company. So they all do that. And I do all my I do all their accounting. So that's, that's kind of how I got started. So nice. Keep it, keeping the family, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So tell me, so in, in dealing with the business with, you know, the clients that you have, what are some of the biggest challenges that you find that your clients run into financially as they're getting started? I would say, I guess, keeping it separate. I mean, it's not really that complex. I think the complexity comes in the abundance of information that you might hear or or you go to Zen Business or uh, LegalZoom or something like that. And if you say, I need a C corporation, they'll set you up a C corporation. But they don't tell you what kind of tax return you're going to have to file or, or what you have to do. I would say if you don't have the money to hire like an attorney or an accountant to kind of walk you through everything, the simple answer is you set up an LLC, you get an EIN, you go up, open a separate bank account, and you just use it for business transactions. If you do that, you've got a head start on everyone. People just live out of their personal bank accounts. I have a mess I'm cleaning up now. It's literally three years, well, three and a half years of of them just using all their, just spending, you know, using their personal bank and uh, credit cards and just having to go back and try to figure all that. That's a big mess. It would have been yeah, a lot easier. Can imagine, yeah. So I think a lot of small business people do that, especially sole proprietors, where you know you kind of get started in business, and you, you don't. I, I, I'm guilty of that myself, where we just like, well, you know, we need money, we take it out of the uh, out of the business account, that type of thing. Uh, not taking a regular paycheck, you know, if you need to go out to dinner with the family, that type of thing. You just you know use the company credit card, and pretty soon it's time to file those taxes, and you got nothing but a big mess. Exactly. And if you got a business bank account, I mean, you, you don't need any fancy software. There's a lot of user-friendly options, but you just take the bank statements every month and put them in an Excel spreadsheet and keep track that way. Just, just keep it simple would be my biggest advice. Right. Now, you mentioned a specific client that you were working with who had gone through that whole 
rigmarole, uh, kind of what I just described I, that I did. So how did you advise him? What did you advise him? And what was the outcome? Did he, did he, did you advise him and give him like some tools that he could use? And did he abide by those tools, use those tools? And what was the outcome on that? Yeah, they had QuickBooks online set up and they did have business accounts somewhat that were linked, but their problem was just using every one of their 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 personal accounts and really there's nothing i can do other than have them go through and highlight print all their statements and highlight the business transactions there's no way for me to know no mm -hmm. one i mean I, I mean i can't know so really it was just that we were compiling them in spreadsheets and we'll just enter them into you know tally it all about it to the tax returns Right, right. I have a client that I've been working with now for several years. It was an interesting situation. Um, the owner of the business got became ill. Um, a lot of things started falling through the cracks, and pretty soon, um, you know, he had a mess uh, where, you know, there was like maybe a, almost a whole year of invoices that hadn't been, uh, you know, uh, entered into QuickBooks. Uh, then. Um, you know, there was taxes that hadn't been filed, just things that just kind of fell through the cracks. And he ended up having to hire another firm to go back in and just clean all that up. Have you ever run across anything? I mean, that severe? Oh, yeah. We, yeah, we, there's no cap to the messes we've seen. It can be <laughs> yes. I, I can imagine because stories you could tell over a couple beers or whatever the case might be, right? Yeah, pretty much. But um, one time, if, one thing people don't realize, there's a rule where you can come up with reasonable estimates. Um, if you don't keep track of everything, it's a, uh, there was an actor back in the day, Mickey Cohen. So if you Google it, you can find the IRS Cohen rule where you can come up with reasonable estimates if you don't have records of everything. Right. You don't realize. Okay. Um well, that's, that's all really super interesting. Um, I've, uh, like I said, I've had some such similar situations where, you know, when I was a startup, I, I, you know, made some, a lot of mistakes and, but we've kind of cleaned all that kind of stuff up. Uh, our business is, you know, fairly small. We keep it really nice and lean as, uh, on purpose and everything. And, you know, we've been thinking about in, incorporating, we're a sole proprietorship right now. Um, so uh, when would you advise or what advice would you give to somebody who is a sole proprietor who, who wants to incorporate and, and what kind of incorporation should he file for or they file for? Um, well, if you're not going to take on investors or, or take on more than a hundred shareholders, you're going to want to be an S corporation. And as far as that's concerned, you can literally ask 10 different people and get 10 different answers on that. But um, an S corporation eliminates self-employment taxes as a, as a sole proprietor. If you, if you're curious and you look at uh, Schedule 2, Line 4 of your personal tax return, you'll see self-employment uh, self tax. Me, personally, I'm a little aggressive. I would say if your company is at 30000 net and growing, it's time to convert to an S corporation. Now, there's a lot of rules about being a C corporation. Like I said, if, if you're going to take on more than 100 investors, maybe you got foreign investors, or there's this Section 1202 where... If, if certain people buy a certain amount of stock in your company and hold it for five years, there's other rules. They can sell it without without claiming a capital gain to help startups and, and whatever, kind of like Shark Tank, I would, I would say is a good analogy. But um, generally, if you're not going to, you're going to own real estate, probably a partnership. If you're not, and you're going to have under 100 shareholders, an S corporation, once you reach that 
$30,000 threshold is when the benefits kind of outweigh the cost because you got to file a separate tax return. You got to pay yourself a reasonable salary. So there's a good bit involved, but the simple answer would be somebody like you would, is probably going to want to be an S corporation. Okay. So let's say a couple guys, you know, they get out of college or whatever, they want to start their own business. And, uh, you know, they're underfunded. Uh, they're just working on a shoestring budget. And uh, so, you know, they, they want to build the business a little bit and then start looking at maybe perhaps, um, you know, incorporating. But for now, they want to run just like a, a partnership business. Or, uh, I mean, would you advise against that even at a, as a startup in a partnership uh, situation? Uh, well, a multi-member LLC is going to default to a partnership, and the IRS is going to look for a separate IRS or a separate 1065 tax return. So you could do that. I mean, if you can, I mean, most attorneys, we don't do partnership. We're not attorneys. We don't do partnership agreements or stock issuance or anything like that. We do set up LLCs and, and do S conversions. But an attorney would probably set up an operating agreement and just start it as a partnership in the beginning. As long as you set up as an LLC partnership, it can be converted to an S corporation later. But with the partnership, the same rules apply in that um, a general member, meaning someone that's allowed to, to work in the business of a partnership, is subject to self-employment tax, just like just like a sole proprietor. So if they're not making a lot of money in the beginning, it's not going to hurt them, obviously, because they're not going to have net income to pay the self-employment tax on but. But yeah, that would I would advise at least uh, getting an attorney. Probably, there's some that charge you three or four hundred bucks to do an operating agreement, just to have some kind of protection. Okay, fantastic. So, uh, if somebody is starting a new business today, uh, and 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 they hire you to be their accountant to, uh, you know, handle their day to day, their taxes, whatever the case might be, what is the best advice you could leave leave them with, or give, or start them out with? Um, most people are going to not pay any money to talk. To you, you know, just kind of learn your situation. Um, there's a fine line in my world of, uh, you know, charging people for every little thing or discovering if someone might be a good fit as a client. And also the fine line between that and maybe like running a 24 7 free tax advice hotline. So this, that's a constant battle in my world. But we're always happy to talk to you and to kind of tell you where to get started. And if you, and if you, you don't need our services now, maybe in the future you will. So, I just always default to like set up an LLC, get it in, go to the bank, set up a business bank account. I literally went to a, the bank. That's exactly what I did three years ago. Took a hundred bucks to the bank. I've still got the same bank account. I've paid zero dollars to have that. And it just simplifies everything. That would be my first advice. And get insurance. Get That's insurance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very good. That's all. I think it's all great information. It's great advice and everything. I think, uh, you know, um, again, I wish I would have had somebody giving me that. Of course, we know a lot of us when we're getting started in business, we can be a little bit big headed. I, I, I say that, but I also, you know, in marketing, I, I, I'm uh, my uh, area of expertise is in marketing. I find that some of the people I've been dealing with the longest uh, can be the be very pig headed because they're used to doing things a certain way and then trying to convince them to do something differently. Um, you know, it's, it could be difficult. Is that, you find that to be the same in your industry? Yeah. It's kind of hard to let go of the reins, so to speak. And, uh, you know, you want to do things your own way. Most people think in terms of cash, like if I, if I have more cash at the end of the month then I'm profitable, or mm -hmm. if I don't have any cash, it means I'm not going to owe taxes. So those two things are not the case most of the time. Right. So once they're ready to say, hey, and we give them that, and you know, you have ongoing 
that's one thing we help people avoid is how profitable are you really? You may have cash, but have you run out credit cards? You take take on a loan, you know, you purchase a vehicle from the business, is that loan now on the books? But loan payments don't decrease your net income. So if you're paying two thousand dollars a month in loan uh, loan payments and you think, well, that means I only made five thousand dollars this year, well you probably made like thirty. If you're sole prior, you're gonna pay self-employment tax. So there's a lot of factors in that. I would say the challenge is just just letting someone do it, and it's not normally not going to break the bank. It's going to save you time. I mean, if you're worth three hundred dollars an hour, and it's going to take you five hours to do the books, and somebody's going to do your books for three hundred fifty bucks a month, it's simple mathematics. And not, I mean, probably not even just an opportunity cost. It's probably just actual cash. It's going to save you. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you say that. I actually had a podcast not too long ago with another person who was a, a business coach, and we were kind of talking about the same thing. I mean, the, the DIY, uh, you know, syndrome, I guess you would call it. People think they can do everything on their own. I know I, that's the way I, I I still think that way a lot, you know, sometimes. Uh, but you stop and think about how much money you could potentially be making at your business doing what you do well. Uh, if you're if you're doing that as opposed to doing something that is a drain on the business in a sense, not not bringing capital into the business, so I really like what you said there. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Do so, you know they're not set up. The marketer's not set up to do accounting of, or someone that works on cars. They're not. They don't want to be accountants, you know. But I'm not going to try to work on my car. And I'm <laughs> not working. So there you go. <laughs> I'm with you 100%. So, Matt, tell me, uh, how would our guest find you if they wanted to get in contact with you to talk about uh, accounting with you? Uh, just Google Ledger Medial. Ledger Medial Accounting Services. We're everywhere. Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, we've got ledgermedial.com. It's not that hard. I guess <laughs> nothing specific. You'll find us. We'll pop up. We'll find you. Just ask the guy in the corner. He knows you, right? Yeah, he might. I was on Cops, I was on cops once. So. Uh oh, look out. There we go. <laughs> well, listen, Matt, Matt Green from uh, Ledger Medial, we sure do appreciate you being on our podcast today. And that is it for our podcast. Uh, so we are so thrilled that you all could be with us. Uh, Business Breakthroughs is produced by Ryan Shear. And we want to say thank you to Wendy, our assistant, and our sponsors, Titan Digital. Until next time, have a great day. Thanks.